Welcome to the Ferb Foundation Podcast. This is a space that provides a genuine conversation about the struggles we all face in school, work, sports, and so much more. Amidst that, how do we live for Christ amidst the hardships that we experience in so many different ways? Thanks for stopping by and hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Firm Foundation podcast. This is season four again, and I'm so happy to be welcomed by a very special guest. I'm welcome to be joined by Lindsay Hadley this week. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me on. And I'm so looking forward to this conversation and getting to know you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Lindsay, give a little bit, give a little background on who you are and kind of where you've gotten to. I know you have some pretty cool stories, I'm sure to share, but just a little synopsis on who you are and I've gotten to where you are. So um, my background is in um, is in social impact or social good, fundraising, event production, consulting. Um, I've spent 20 years in the nonprofit sector, helping address um, different causes and philanthropic endeavors and charitable causes. And in, in 2015, after years of working for a nonprofit, I started my own boutique, I have several different nonprofits. I started my own boutique consultancy called Hadley Impact Consulting. I spent 10 years consulting various clients from major institutions religious institutions to ultra high net worth individuals and families to multilateral corporations and NGOs um, to celebrities and, and all across the gamut. And um, I basically uh, have just had this beautiful career in trying to help people and learning so much along the way and ultimately learning to help myself more than anyone is as we do often in the journey of life. But um, it's been a beautiful experience. And recently I joined a, a financial advisory firm called Capita Financial Network. Um, I, I also advise several um, ultra high net worth family foundations and um, and I'm a part of different still philanthropic projects. But ultimately at the moment, I'm the director of client relations at Capita Financial Network and their in-house philanthropic advisor, which has been such an amazing career plot and I'm enjoying it so much. It's so cool to see what God's doing in my life. And it's just such a fun, joyful time right now. So thanks for asking. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, from from just that little snippet there, it's, it's clear that you've been around and done a bunch of different things. And amidst all of those different things that you've done and experienced and what do you think what would you say has been the best piece of advice you've been given so far along your journey as you look back uh, within the social impact world and just in general, what's something that you've kind of catapulted you? Wow. Um, you know, I've gotten so much good advice in my life um, and I've had such incredible mentors, advisors, friends, people. It's hard to characterize what's the best piece of advice. I think um, probably the very, very best advice, though, which I think ultimately is something that that Jesus has taught us too. That you know, He was the ultimate example and the preeminent um, kind of pillar of this in my life. But He, I think, seeing yourself in others, you know, this idea of um, not objectifying other people 
and I got this advice early on from a friend of mine um, who was reading books. Uh, his name is Jess Larson and his wife, Stephanie. They were reading some books called, um, they were written by this institution called the Arbinger Institute. And these books include like The Anatomy of Peace and um, Leadership and Self-Deception and a book called Bonds That Make Us Free. And I was having um, some interpersonal relationship stuff in my family at the time, my my new in-laws that I had just gained. And I was, you know, really struggling with that. I think all of us run into relationships that seem difficult. And, um, and throughout our lives, it's an ongoing thing. It's so alive. It's such a relationship, such a living entity anyway, you know, and we're always learning and growing and learning more about how to better love ourselves and others. And they just helped me see that we can often see people from a perspective of I, you, or I, I, it. We can see a person as like a monster, a, a, an obstacle to our goals, a vehicle to get to our goals, uh, you know, whatever, fill in the break, la label brat or jerk or swear word or whatever it may be, right? Like we can really turn people into, you know, a homeless person, a mentally ill person or whatever it is. We can just really characterize someone in a way that doesn't allow our, us to see ourselves in them and hold them into totality and to see their humanity. And um, I think that that journey has led me into such beautiful engagements with God and such deeper um, increase of self-actualization and learning about self and the world and love and everything that is the most edifying and beautiful parts of being human. And so I think, you know, quickly I realized how often I can do that, whether it's like people, and you might do it in a moment, you know, it's not like, you know, you, I'm, I'm just answering a really long question here, Andrew, but it's Andrew, right? Yes. <laughs> Andrew, I want to make sure I got that right. Yes. Andrew, um, I, I, you know, in my experience, um, you know, you'd look at something like a pedophile that all of society would kind of label as like a really, you know, found unworthy as, you know, as a place in society and for good reason to protect people, but um, something extreme like that, I, you know, that's harder for us to wrap our minds around how to see them as victims or see them in the system or see them as mentally ill and how we can support and keep them from hurting themselves and others. But, you know, how do we address that, but still see that they're human or whatever? Um, because it's really easy to vilify and demonize them as just like a monster. But what about like our loving spouses, our parents, our children, people that we work with, our best friends, people that we meet, day to day that we're like, they do something that hurts us or triggers us or creates some conflict interpersonally. And we can quickly stop. They become like a cardboard cutout to us. They, they become a projection of all of these emotions instead of this whole worthy of love human being that, that we need to navigate with. So they really helped me on this journey and helped me point towards like, and it's been a lifelong, I'm still in that process of better learning how to see people as people. And so that's probably the best advice. It sounds really simple, but it's like really deeply meaningful. It's like the work of angels, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit. Cause I think that's one of the hardest things, especially in a, in a culture where it is, we search to identify with so many different things. Like it's almost like we're, we're in a spider web and we're searching to grasp on to different identities for ourselves, thus also doing that for other people, putting them in those different baskets or from an emotional standpoint, whatever situation you may be in characterizing someone as that certain situation, like you said, the cardboard cutout example. 
I think so that is mm. it seems so simple yet so hard. I see it a lot for me. My my prevalent realm is in the sports world right now. Um, it's easy to see people mm. as their their result of something. Um mm. but I totally in, in real life as well. Like, what are some ways you think that you've been able to kind of place yourself in the view of how God would see someone, how God would love someone, how Christ would love someone outside of maybe the the barriers or the boundaries or the constraints that the world would place on people when it comes to their you know whether they what they do at work their title or even the things the way they react to situations or the failures that they've experienced or the things they've done how are you able to amazing for someone with love yeah I mean it's a great point Andrew you brought up sports and you're like you can look also at people and see what they've accomplished as like an indicator of who they are as a person. And I mean, that's another way to objectify a person is to put them on a pedestal and think of them as, you know, infallible or perfect or a hero or, you know, better than you, you know, so you can have all these views about yourself in relationship with the other person. It could be that they're better than me or that, you know, they, I don't know, something that kind of, again, makes them not you. Like if you see yourself in others, there's this beautiful, Jesus tells us that the greatest commandment above all commandments is to love your neighbor as thyself, right? Love God. And I think that love has to come from, from above. And then we love ourselves and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And sometimes for me, it was, it's been harder to love myself in my life. I'm, I'm working really hard to do that, which I'm so grateful. I'm having great, great healing there and great understandings there. And it's been such a beautiful dream, but to love others um, really well you know, is, it helps me love myself too. So it's this, it's like this virtuous cycle, but in your question of like, how have I, um, kind of been able to do that? I think in, in it's, it's an ongoing muscle memory, you know, I mean, like there's so many layers to it. Like I felt like my first, in my early twenties, my first inquiry was to like take radical accountability and see my part in things and to, and to like understand, you know, that I have these patterns and tendencies to self-deceive and tell myself a story and all that. And so like, that was really, really profound. And I saw a lot of healing in relationships and a lot of growth. And I was able to accomplish a lot as a leader and as a person and as a spouse and as a mother and as a person in society from those learnings and from those principles. But then I, there was another layer, which was that loving others also can be holding them accountable and love-based boundaries and saying, um, you know, that's not okay that you're doing that to me and to, to protect oneself and not be codependent in being responsible for how others, because once I learned this, uh, this radical responsibility, I then felt like every strain in every relationship was my fault, which then was untenable too, because that's not true. Um, I mean, Jesus was literally perfect in the embodiment of love and people killed him, you know, so uh, people hated him and accused him and killed him and scourged him, beat him and betrayed him. So he was perfect. And yet, he received such horrible exchanges from others. Um, so learning to be like, okay, you know, how much is my responsibility and how much is theirs? I'm just pathway to truth so that we could be in relationship with people in a way that's really life-giving. And that's been a remarkable uh, journey. I'm so grateful for what God has done in me and doing with me continually every day. My, our friend Phil that introduced us, Phil's on, who's like, I call them Phil Nacular because, you know, like vernacular, he has all these Philisms that yeah. like are so quotable and incredible. He even has like a social media that you can follow 
daily like you know daily phrases or words yeah. that he says and i highly recommend um but he talks a lot about like you know the most important person for me to reach in any given room is myself you know and i'm constantly struggling with and i i'm learning so much about this it's so beautiful but i'm constantly struggling with like trying to get external validation from others and so like you know do they think i'm funny enough smart enough am i creating enough value how are they responding to me they, you know are they hurt by me are they elated are they laughing whatever and that that's a really self-focused energy that i didn't realize i thought it was incredibly externally focused and other centric i'm making it all about them and what they think but it's really about what they think of me. You know what I mean? Not how th their experiences. And so learning the, like, am I doing something from love or for love is such a Occam's razor. It's such an important distinction that, that the savior is really teaching me right now in my life and learning to say hard things and true things and not avoid conflict and to let their reaction be theirs and let mine be mine. What, how they view me or respond to me is a reflection of them. How I view them or respond to them is a reflection of me. And those kinds of things are just so profound. And he's just the master of loving people and allowing them to be where they are in their agency to reject him, reject us, or to respond in pain. I think one of my friends, Henry Amari, says this beautiful phrase that um, every interaction is either a cry for help or an act of love. So if you think of things that way, it can be really profound and has helped me a lot to keep reminding myself every interaction is either a cry for help or an act of love de de determining what what those interactions are that's yeah that's huge i think even you're the little thing to take away from the are you, am i doing this for from love or for love that's i like that as well yeah a good, a good thing to like take and apply um i'm all about this this idea of practical yeah. theology how do i take something that I, uh, something I can apply to my everyday life, something that Jesus lived out and apply it. And I think that's the way in which we have relation with people and taking, like noticing those things can be such a key understanding um, and how to, how to love people better. I think in your, in your world of the so social impact, how have you seen this kind of play out? I mean, it's, I think you talked about how it's so hard to, to focus on, the way in which we are loving others when we're like, how do I, I know I struggle with that as well. Like I want to be validated and seek this mm -hmm. external validation mm -hmm. from people. Like, am I funny enough? Am I worthy enough? And I'm sure, especially in a, in our world, that's kind of what we're taught and told to, to do. We have to work hard enough to be worthy enough to be loved. How have you seen that play out in your, in your job and your career? And what are some ways in which you maybe have, seen that through maybe failure and then a lot and changed based on what you've realized the way in which Christ has lived his life and, and how do you apply that to yours? Well, that's a great question, Andrew. So I've learned a lot of it through failure, my own failings of things going sideways with people that I love because of my, because of that tendency. I have a lot of compassion and I'm forgiving myself and forgiven myself for this too, because I'm just doing the best I can too every day. Right. But I think the the, the biggest hack for me is like, what does the savior say about this person or me? Like literally asking Jesus, like, what do you think of me? Like, what is my identity? Who am I really? You know? And it's like, yeah, I did this bad thing or I'm insecure this way, or I messed up this way, or I have limited information or I, you know, you know what I mean? But like, who am I really like? And I've had some beautiful metaphors 
metaphysical experiences that actually helped me really understand my identity really like god was so beautiful to pour into me and not at a time when i wanted like it was years like years and years and years after asking god for this like i you know i think of the scripture that talks about you know would would a father give a look you know a stone to a child that asked for a loaf of bread or a serpent to a child that asked for a fish well you know if you're a good father then would how good of a parent would our heavenly father be and i remember praying on my knees like god do you love me struggling with despair and and self-worth issues and mental health issues i was struggling a lot with depression and anxiety and i remember on my knees begging god like are you there do you love me do you care about me and i just felt the heavens were brass i felt nothing and at the time i was left to think like either god is um not there or he doesn't like me very much you know or i'm not worthy of his attention or something and the latter two felt so bad that the first one seemed more tenable. And so I ended up kind of having this view that there was no God for a while. Like I wondered, I, I sat in that. I always had faith, like I prayed, there was some little mustard seed, but I was went through deconstruction and a, and a concern for my, my relationship with God and faith because I felt so bad. And I think we all have these dark nights of the soul eventually. Most people, maybe not everyone, but most, because as much as we can give lip service to our religious beliefs, Nothing can be so exacting as true human suffering and tragedy in our lives, whatever it may be, whatever our trials are, where we have to take what we believe and have it boiled in a crucible. You know, death can do that. Uh, huge identity crisis things, I mean, they come. And I think it's beautiful. It's like when God comes to us and we have this deep relational romantic story with him. But like what ended up happening with me was it was years and years later that I had this experience where I was able to get the answer to that, that prayer. And I know that if I had had the answer then, I wouldn't have gained all that I needed to, that he had in store for me to build a relationship with him and find people because I had to seek healing and I had to look for the light. And and the there was like a epic, you know, hero's journey, so to speak, an archetypal journey of like collecting all the right people and all the right tools and all the right magic along the way that, to make me become who I had to be. And later I had better than I ever imagined or ever hoped for experience that helped me understand who I was. You know what I mean? Yeah, so totally. his, he answered just not at the timing. I wanted it right then. And I, I'm so glad he didn't answer me then now that I'm through the other side. But I do believe with all my heart that it was failure that taught me the most. But it's also, you know, you asked a, qu a great question about like, how do we learn this good? And I try to surround myself with people that I just want their goodness and their character to rub off on me, you know? I just find and collect these incredible people who just, they're so deeply for others and so incredibly skilled in the art of love and loving themselves and others that I just want to like sit by them like any, like any apprentice, you know, under a master just, so I've, so I've, I've been relentless in collecting the most, you know, special people like our friend Phil in my life and having them around me. Yeah. I think relationship is what Christ intended for us and, and, order to to do things from love and then thus we almost receive that love back without even having to try and enforce it amidst a culture that is so counter to that to what yeah what we tell us that you know we need to to seek validation from others and we need to do all of these things to be something and I, I've struggled with that 100% and and whatever it is I think even from a from a spiritual aspect like trying to be this mm. perfect representation of what mm -hmm. it looks like to follow Christ mm -hmm. but not necessarily actually focusing on how am I living that out just being concerned and consumed with worry in that um 
which is always a tough, a tough place to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's uh, interesting. Oh, sorry. No, Andrew. No, sorry. Yeah, I just I waited for a pause. But I was going to say, you talk about that tension and I'm like, I play the guitar. Do you play an instrument at all? I used you play to play instruments. I used to play piano for a while. I play like a stringed instrument and even in the piano, there's, you know, strings that tighten for there to be the resonant sound and for music to be played. And I play the guitar and you have to like constantly tune a guitar again, you know? Boy. And I, I'm really realizing that for me, God is in the paradox of this tension of me trying to be better and like him and like the savior and follow with exactness obedience and losing of the ego and losing of my agenda and giving my will over and, you know, the nat- losing a natural man and becoming something more in Christ, a, a new creature in Christ. And then also the tension of being human. And that that's where God gets in with us and has a relationship. That's like the flaws and the brokenness and the pain and the suffering and the shortcomings are like there to teach us and give us these incredible gifts in relationship to God. So like, it's that tension that he can, that he uses to, play music in our lives and play music with us and on us and i i um i you know i think of great philosophical friends of mine people that are not in my faith or not you know people who believe in jesus or follow jesus but amazing good-hearted people who still believe the same you know major principles i just had a podcast this morning with a gentleman named mike clauser Clauser, and he wrote a book all about he studied all these different religions and saw that, you know, they have, we have, you know, metaphysical differences and beliefs and doctrine and things like that, but there's core capital T truths that all of them agree upon. And he like lays these six truths out, whether it's like Muslim or Hare Krishna, or whether it's, um, you know, the Vedic wisdoms or whether, you know, whatever faith it may be, um, uh, Eastern philosophies and everything, they all have these six capital T agreements to these truths. And, I was just realizing, I was like, that's so, that's so beautiful. Cause I, oftentimes like my best friend is growing up, she's atheist or agnostic maybe at best. And she, um, I always tell her, I'm like, well, we're kind of like part of the same religion. I like joke because we're, we're not by any means of like in it, the world defines it, but she's following the same light. You know, she's trying to love herself and people better. And she's helps people that are dying of cancer and she's, generous and honest and good and she does all the things that are like what the savior is teaching me to do and she just doesn't call it that or doesn't get to it that way and i'm just like well we're headed the same way you know there's certain hacks i feel that i and lovers i get from having this entity outside me that's this perfect embodiment of love um but at the same time like you know she has been able to teach me things about her lived experience that is edified and strengthen my life walk in this world you know like she doesn't believe in some heaven or hell or some you know uh, reward for her behavior later she she believes all we have is the now those are those are beautiful um paradigms to to wrestle with together you know so um it's just really profound it's just really profound to to talk about these things and i constantly am delighted by who jesus is and who he he wants me to be for sure i think that's cool it's like there is so many elements of, of life in general. And I think that maybe is part of the beauty of the way in which God created this world and filled it with love. And that there's so many, even for someone who may not be following Christ to the T, mm-hmm. there's still so many things that allow conversation and points back to him, even without us knowing it. And I think that 
is pretty mm-hmm. awesome. It opens the door for a lot of different conversations, uh, just simply by the way in which we live our lives and the way I think ultimately, like you, you talked about the way in which it comes back to love and the way in which we're able to be in a relationship with other people and be compassionate and kind and sit there and listen to them and, uh, and be all of those things that maybe in a, in a hurried, busy culture would tell us that we don't have time for, or they mm-hmm. haven't earned or worthy enough for our time, even because our time is, is of mm-hmm. the utmost importance couldn't be used to sit and listen, but it's crazy how countercultural it is to love, to love people. Well, I love that you called it counterculture. I was just sitting here thinking like, I'm so privileged to have been asked fairly frequently in my career to be on interviews and podcasts. It's so refreshing to be able to speak so on about, about faith with you because you know, I'm constantly trying, I'm, I'm getting more emboldened in sharing who I am and my worldview with the caveat that I don't expect. I'm not trying to, I don't have an agenda to change someone or convert or do anything with anyone else's experience. I just am being more, emboldened and excited to share me and my and myself and be fully known so that I can be chosen by those who who really want to you know walk with me in life and um but it's really it's really a gift and you know oftentimes you know I love that in this conversation we're just we're talking about these internal principles that will live long after you and I are found mm-hmm. and I pray will be will be ripened and, and realized deeply in the lives of my children and anyone I love in this earth. Um, you know, because yeah, I, I've been able to accomplish some really fun things and cool things that maybe like to some people might look good on a resume. And um, sometimes I lead with that out of business to build confidence so people will work with me and I can accomplish new things. Um, and you know, but I, as I get older and as I get more seasoned in following Jesus, I care so much more about who people are than what they've done. I care so much more. I mean, I still get excited about high achieving people that accomplish magical things. It's just kind of fun to see someone be gifted and see their gifting come out in the world and see what they can accomplish. It's, it's inspiring to see the potential and, and capacity in human beings, but the, the, the character of who they are and like what God is doing inside of them. I just, I'm just constantly in awe of being present to that, no matter, you know, where I walk in the world. Um, I've been able to travel the world extensively. And so like, you know, um, I meet students like you. And I'm just, it's just, I get to see like God's hand and the miracle of God in people's lives just constantly. And it's so cool to like understand that. And, you know, I just, I just wish that everybody who listens to podcasts and hears from interesting people that they can first understand that, uh, there's no, God is no respecter of persons. Like what someone accomplishes might have huge impact in this temporal field and this, you know, this domain of this life, this earthly life. But, but like, you know, there, God is in the details of the minutia of every day and great love comes to these simple and beautiful acts that are day to day. It's really, it's so cool just to get more myopic and understand how that's also powerful. Yeah, I mean, it uh, forces you or not forces you. It allows you the opportunity to look at people's lives and see, you know, how are they they practicing the presence of the Lord in each element for those that follow Christ, and uh, more so about how are they, how are people carrying out their success and or failure? How do they handle those things? And and those become the most the, the more important elements of life. 
the last the last That's question I'll, I'll ask you here is as you look back on on where you've where you've been and where you've gotten to whether it's career-wise or like you said kind of understanding and learning how to love yourself and love others well what would you tell your younger self or someone in in the in transition phases of life I think actually we're all in transition phases but younger what would you tell them what would you tell them as they look to their future what would you tell your younger self as she she Mm. looks up to you oh man yes I would just say it's all worth it and um it's all for you it's not happening to you it's happening for you and there are great gifts and suffering and great gifts and heartache or great gifts in this life and all of it is a treasure and I think I would just I would just want to like hug my younger self because you know I I think that I've spent a lot of time you know picking apart I think a lot of people do this but picking apart the things I don't like about myself instead of celebrating the things I can love and appreciate about myself. And um, I think that I would just try to remind myself of who I really am and um, the, I just think any, any way I could give myself some hope about how my life matters, how everyone's life matters, you know, how deeply impactful and special we each are. And, um, you know, the freedom that comes from surrendering. I think that's the biggest thing. I'd be like, just surrender, like trust God, like he totally has you more than you could ever imagine, you know? And I see his hand more. And I'm in a beautiful restful season in my life right now where I had tremendous healing from anxiety and depression. I don't have any symptoms of that anymore. Thank God. I know people live with that sometimes their whole lives. I had um, financial stability. I have incredible marriage and family and amazing relationships. So many of my relationships have been healed and better than I ever imagined in my life. Um, like better than my wildest dreams. And so I'm, I'm in such a season of abundance. So it's really easy to be positive in this moment, but there's so much unthinkable suffering that goes on. I have so many people in my lives right now that are facing difficult things and there are people today, today, this moment is the worst moment of their life, the worst day of their life some people who just suffer beyond what I can understand and so I know it's easy for me to spout platitudes of, gra- of gratitude and, ex- and happiness and joy and trust in God right now but that's what I would tell myself so that in those dark moments and I hope to tell myself now so that my subconscious my spirit can know in the future whatever may come to remember this you know because right now I am in a season of deep and profound gratitude it's I feel like a person who's been starving spiritually deprived that's like coming to a Thanksgiving dinner, you know, and you just, the food is just like so delectable and you're so grateful and you're just ravenous. That's how I feel right now with the peace and joy and hand of God in my life and rest that I feel in my spirit. And so I just wish every, and I go through, you go through seasons, you know, but but like I've been kind of maintaining this through really hard things that I can see. Well, that would have normally absolutely spiraled me or tanked me. And I felt really boarded up, you know? So I feel right now, profoundly grateful and I think I would just give myself that hey you're going to learn all these difficult things so that you can be prepared for what God has in store for you so you know see all of this as the making of you see all this as the cultivating of you and I think I hope everybody believes and knows that there's so many way more inspiring people than me have been way worse and overcome so much more that they can look to I'm certainly not some author of any of this resilience but I 
I just, I know those principles to be true. That's awesome. Yeah. I think a final takeaway as we close here is just that, that being able to do things from love uh, instead of for love and let the abundance of Christ flow into each, into each aspect of our lives. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to get to talk to you and hear. Thanks, Andrew. Share. Thank you guys for listening. This, this has been another episode in season four of the Firm Foundation podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day and week. And Lindsay, you as well. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Andrew. Take care. Bye-bye.